Turn in your Bibles, if you would, to Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7. Last week, we we ended the message last week with my favorite Bible verse. Um, That is Isaiah chapter 51, verse 1. And um, I want to kind of start there and, and, and develop from, from last week, at the end of last week's message. Isaiah chapter 51.1 says, Hearken unto me, all ye that, uh, ye that follow after righteousness, ye that seek the Lord. Look unto the rock from whence you were hewn, and to the hole of the pit from whence you were digged. And <clears throat> if you were not here last week, uh, this verse may sound strange to you because um, it's not an obvious, at least to me, it's not an obvious meaning. But I want to share with you, in case you were not here last week, very quickly what this verse means to me. And um, I, I, I hope and pray that it'll be a, a blessing to you as well. The phrase, hearken to me, to me, ye that follow up to righteousness, ye that seek the Lord. I believe that when Isaiah was... Uh, led to pen this verse. Uh, he was trying to get the attention of those people who had legitimately wanting, having a desire to know God more. And and <clears throat> I can I can put myself in that category. I want to know God more. I I think that I feel like I fail God in a lot of ways. Amen but I have a desire to know God more. And I believe this is who uh, Isaiah is talking to. This is the crowd, if you would, that Isaiah is talking to. He says, look unto the rock from whence you were hewn. And last week I asked you the question, who is the rock? Jesus Christ. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. Moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the, uh, the cloud and all passed through the sea and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea and did all eat the same spiritual meat and did all drink the same spiritual drink. For they drank of the spiritual rock that followed them and that rock was Christ. Look unto the rock from whence you were hewn. The rock is Jesus Christ. And the hole of the pit from whence you were digged. I, I believe that this is making a reference to the pit of humanity. We all come out of the pit, but we all have our own little hole from whence God dug us all out of. June 23rd, 1980, God dug me out of that pit. Saved my my soul. And he set my feet upon a rock. I I can understand the heart of the psalmist when the psalmist wrote, uh, Psalm chapter 40 and verses 1 through 3, he says, I waited patiently for the Lord. And he inclined unto me and heard my cry. And he brought me up 
also out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and he set my feet upon a rock. Does that sound familiar? And established my goings. And he hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it and fear and shall trust in the Lord. I have much to be thankful for today. We have much to be thankful for today. One of the reasons, uh, other than the food, one of the reasons I like Thanksgiving is it forces me to be thankful. I don't know if you're like me, but I can get so caught up with life. And when I do that, I forget to be thankful. We are masters at having pity parties, are we not? When life doesn't quite go our way and we forget to be thankful for what God has done in our lives. And I believe that Isaiah chapter 51 and verse 1 is a great reminder for us to remember the hole of the pit from whence we were digged and that our feet are on solid ground. We are, we are to remember what God has done for us. Amen. This morning's message is entitled, We Should All Be Thankful. We should all be thankful. <clears throat> Even though our music this morning is centered around the Christmas theme, where the message this morning is on thankfulness, we should all be thankful. And, and it could be this morning you're sitting there thinking, wait a minute, Pastor, you don't know my life. You, you, you don't know what I'm going through. And that may be true, but I'm here to tell you we all have something to be thankful for. Even in the worst of, of scenarios, we can all be thankful for something. And we need to be thankful. When I think of what Christ did for me, the depth of his mercy, his never-ending love, his unbelievable grace. When I when I when I stop and I and I and I meditate on these things and I and I think about where God has brought me from, my heart overflows with joy and thankfulness. Often when I, when I do this, my <clears throat> thoughts are taken to Luke chapter 7. The passage that we are about to read oftentimes is something that God brings to my mind whenever I think about the goodness of God in our lives. Let's start reading in Luke chapter 7 and, and verse 36. It says, And one of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's home and sat down to meet. And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment and stood at his feet behind him, weeping, and began to wash his feet with tears. And did wipe them with the hair of her head, and kissed his feet, and anointed them with the ointment. 
And when the Pharisee which had bidden him saw it, he spake within himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this this is that toucheth him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And he said, and he saith, Master, say on. There was a certain creditor which had two debtors. <clears throat> the one owed 500 pence and the other 50. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him the most? And Simon said, un, un, uh, and Simon said I suppose that he to whom he forgave most. And he said unto them, Thou hast rightly judged. And he turned to the woman and said unto Simon, See thou this woman? I entered into thy house. Thou gavest me no water for my feet, but she hath washed my feet with tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss, but this woman, since the time I came in, hath not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil thou didst not anoint, but this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto to thee, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. And he said unto her, Thy sins be forgiven. And they that sat at me with him began to say within themselves, Who is this that forgiveth sins also? And he said unto the woman, Thy faith have saved thee. Go in peace. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for the word of God that is powerful and can change lives. Pierces even to the dividing of sunder of soul and spirit. And Lord, as we come to you this morning, we ask that you would speak to our hearts. That we would leave this place different than when we came. We love you and we thank you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Before I really get into the message, I want to I want to stop here and I want to I want to talk about something that is really, really important. There is something called the harmony of the gospels. Any any of you have ever heard of that? Okay, a couple, a couple of you. Okay, what the harmony of gospels is is the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are the are the gospels. So those are the four books that are considered the gospels of Jesus Christ. And what the, what uh, theologians have done is they've sat down and they have chronologically arranged the the, the gospels because when you read like in uh, uh, Luke two, 
it, it, they, it may have the same story in the, in the book of John, but in a different chapter. So there, you, know, you can't go chapter to chapter in the Gospels. You have to go through, and, the, and, they've, set, and they've set out a chronological order of the, of the Gospels, and they call it the harmony of the Gospels. If you've never seen it, um, it really helps put context into the Gospels because you can sometimes get confused because of things being out of order, if you would. Now, if you were to look in the harmony of the Gospels, <clears throat> the story that we just read in Luke chapter 7, verses 36 to 50, the thing that, that takes place just prior to this passage we just read is not in the book of Luke. It is in the book of Matthew, chapter 11. Okay? So it's important we understand this because <clears throat> between verses 35 and 36, somewhere in there, Matthew, chapter 11, takes place. So let's read Matthew, chapter 11, verses 28 to 30. It says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me, for I am meek and lowly of heart, and ye shall find rest unto your soul. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Somewhere after Matthew chapter 11, verse 30, and before Luke chapter 7, Verse 36, yeah, verse 36. Simon the Pharisee comes to Jesus and invites him to dinner or lunch. Okay, you followed the progression here. Now, we do not know the time span between Simon's invitation and the passage in Matthew chapter 11. We don't know. It could be minutes, it could be hours, it could be days. We don't know. But it's, it's amazing to me that this woman comes to the luncheon on the heels of the statement that Jesus made. So it is logical to assume that the reason she is there is because she heard Jesus' statement, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. It helps me put Luke chapter 7 in context. Because if we read it, not understanding what happens in Matthew chapter 11, we just think that this, this woman just randomly wanted to see Jesus. But if we understand the plea of Jesus just prior to this encounter, it changes the context of everything. <clears throat> so it is very possible, very likely, that this woman heard Jesus say, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. By the description we read in Luke chapter 7, does, did this woman have a heavy load that she carried? Probably. 
It could be this morning that you are carrying a heavy load. And Jesus is saying unto you, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. And I will give you rest. Rest is a really good thing, is it not? Point number one this morning. The invitation is to everyone. The invitation is to everyone. Look at verse 39. Now when the Pharisee, which had bidden him, saw it, he spake within himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known uh, who and what manner of woman this this, uh, is that toucheth him. For she... As a sinner, and Jesus said unto, uh, and Jesus answered, saying unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And he saith, Master, say on. There was a certain creditor which had two debtors. The one owed 500 pence. And let me stop right there. A pence, if you're wondering what a pence is, a pence was equivalent to a day's wages. Okay, so a a, a common, what we would call blue-collar worker, uh, the normal wage of that day was a pence. So when 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 a worker worked the fields or whatever blue-collar type work it was, they would expect to get a pence per day. Okay, to help kind of put it in context here. Okay, There were a certain creditor which had two debtors. The one owed 500 pence. That's a lot of money. And the other 50. And when they had uh, nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, of them, uh, which of them will love him the most? Now, Question. Who are the two debtors that Jesus is talking about here in the story? Is it just two made-up people? I don't believe so. Who are the two debtors that Jesus is identifying here? It's To me, it's pretty obvious. The woman and Simon. Okay? The woman... We don't know what her sin was. Uh, I've read, a, I read a, several commentaries trying to figure it out, and nobody knows. They assume some things, but we don't know. All we know is that whatever she was known for was bad. She had a bad reputation. Okay, That's all we know. I don't want to assume anything. All we know is that she was a bad person. Now, Simon... The Pharisee, Pharisees were known for their self-righteous lifestyle, were they not? But there's one thing that is really critical to this whole story, and I, I think oftentimes we miss it. And that it is that both people owed a debt. One was a large debt and one was a small debt, but they both owed a debt. And as I thought about this, 
I thought of Romans chapter 3, verse 23. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The reality is this. We all have a debt. The woman and Simon both had a debt. And we have a debt. Jesus, Jesus' invitation was to everyone. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, it says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The invitation is to all. But I love Jesus' question in verse 43. Uh, And Simon uh, Simon answered and said, I suppose he to whom... uh, well, I guess the question is actually the end of verse 42. It says, tell me, therefore, which of them will love him most? And Simon answered and said, I suppose he to whom he forgave most. And he said unto him, thou hast rightly judged. Now, does that not make sense? A person who owed 500 days wages to the person who only owed 50, they would, they would be much more appreciative. And to the whole of the pit from whence you were digged. See, the reality is this. The, one of the reasons I like that verse in Isaiah chapter 51 is... The hole of the pit from whence you were digged. You know, the hole, the hole that I was dug out of is different than anybody else. My hole was specific for me. And I am so grateful for what God has done in my life. And we need to spend time being thankful for the hole that Christ dug you out of. The reality of this, some of us come out of holes that were worth 500 pence and some of us out of 50 pence. Maybe maybe one pence, but the reality is this, we all had a debt that we owed to Jesus Christ. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Some of us have sinned worse than others. Our debt is higher, but we all have a debt. Number one, the invitations to everyone. Number two, let's look at a thankful heart. Let's look at verse 36. And one of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet. And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment and stood at his feet behind him weeping and began to wash his feet with tears and did wipe them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now there are seven things, seven things I want to talk about here because this is, this is, you say, wait a minute, in those three verses you see seven things? Absolutely. And probably I could have found more, but these are seven things 
that God just really showed me in this. And I, I tell you, it just spoke to my heart. The first thing is this. It would appear that there were several people standing around watching and listening to this to this meal. What what in it? At least that's the way I read it. It's this is a there's several people standing around here. Because if it was just the woman, it would have been very obvious. But there were many people, and I did some research, and I found out that it was common practice in a situation like this when a Pharisee would have a quote-unquote high-level luncheon that it was common practice for the common people to kind of come, gather around. They were not allowed to partake in the meal, but they could stand around and they could listen and watch and, and be a part of the conversation. They were not allowed to input, but they could listen to the conversation at the table. The second thing, <clears throat> even though it was a public event, she was not welcome. Why is that? Because she was a sinner. And as I, as I thought about that, I, I, my, 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 heart, my, my heart just jumped in, and I said, praise God, I am always welcome. I'm always welcome. Romans chapter 5 and verse 8. And God commanded or demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Acts chapter 10, verse 34. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, and said, Oh, of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. Praise God. That a sinner that owes 500 pence is just as welcome as a sinner that owes 50. And although she was not welcome, for whatever reason, we do not know, Simon the Pharisee obviously recognized her. We don't know why. It could be he knew her personally. It could be... Um, something that she wore identified her as, as something. I, we don't know how, but Simon obviously recognized her because she knew that she was a sinner. But he allowed her to stay. Something else that I found interesting, the third thing that I found interesting here is the alabaster. The alabaster, verse 37, And behold, a woman in the city, which, was a, which is a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat with, at, in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster box of ointment. She purposely grabbed the ointment and took off when she, when she realized where Jesus was. This was not a spur of the moment where she happened to have this perfume in her, in her handbag. She purposed. What she did, she did on purpose. That's why I believe she heard the plea of Jesus, Come unto me, all you that labor are heavy laden, I will give you rest. I believe, now I have no proof of this, this is, my, my, this is me, I believe she heard it, believed it, and said, I'm going to see if he meant it. 
and she brought the gift. The alabaster is it is significant for a few reasons. One, it reveals her heart. She was willing to sacrifice an expensive gift. I, 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 this, depending on the size of this bottle of perfume, it could have been up to a year's wages that she poured on Jesus' feet. That's an amazing gift. And I believe it is speaking about her heart. Another thing that I see about this gift is she wasn't concerned with what other people thought. She didn't care what other people thought. She she was on a mission to do something to demonstrate her love for what Jesus had said. And to perform an act of worship because that's what this was. The fourth thing that I find here incredibly important is her tears. As I as I sat and I contemplated this, this is not just tears running down her cheeks. This is a person who has cried enough to wash somebody's dirty feet. That is a lot of tears. And the the understanding here is that that there were so many tears, it was enough to cleanse his feet. I'll be honest with you, as I sat and I contemplated that, the Lord spoke to my heart and said, when's the last time you've cried that much? I don't know that I've ever cried that much over my sin. I've cried over my sin. But I don't know that I've cried like that. The fifth thing that we see here is the fact that she washes his feet with her hair. In verse 38, we'll not read it, we've read it, um, but she washes uh, his feet with her hair. And this is a, 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 a sign of great humility. Not only, not only was the, the, the job of washing feet the lowest of the low in the, in, the, in, the, in the realm of servants, the lowest servant was the one who washed feet. But she washes his feet with her hair. And an incredible sign of of just great humility. Just the opposite attitude of Simon the the Pharisee. I find that very interesting. Jesus himself demonstrated this same concept, if you would. In John chapter 13, verses 4 to 7, it says, "He He rises from supper and laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel wherewith he was girded. 
Then cometh to Simon Peter, and Peter saith unto him, Lord, doest, dost thou wash my feet? What was Peter saying? I should be washing your feet. And Jesus answered and said unto him, What I do thou knowest not, not now, but thou shalt know thereof. And then just a few verses later in, verses, in John chapter 13, verses 14 and 15. If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that ye may, that ye should do as I do unto you. Humility is incredibly important to God. In other words, let me, let me put it to you this way. God hates pride. And he loves humility. And Jesus was demonstrating humility when he washed the disciples' feet. The sixth thing that I notice about a, a thankful heart is her kissing his feet. In verse 38, let, let, let's look at this. Uh, and he stood uh, and stood uh, at his feet behind him, weeping, and began to wash his feet with tears and wiped them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. The, the word kiss here is a verb. And this verb is in, in the original language is an imperative an imperative tense verb, which means what it what it means is that it was a continual action. She didn't just reach down and kiss his feet, but she kept kissing his feet and over and over and over and over to the point where we would say today she's making a spectacle of herself. That's why Simon said what he said. If, if, if this man was a prophet, he would know this woman is making a spectacle of herself. Over and over and over. By kissing his feet. It is symbolic of a couple things. One, showing utmost respect. Total submission and affection. You got to think about the, 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 the society then. You know, if somebody were to kiss your feet, you would think that they were really weird. Okay, <laughs> just saying. But in the society here, the, the, this this was a this was a huge huge thing. The seventh sign of a of a thankful heart is she probably felt unworthy. Again, this is an assumption on my part, but I believe it to be true. Because where did she anoint Jesus? On his feet. What was the typical place that a person was anointed? On the head. 
More than likely, because of her lifestyle, whatever it was in her life, more than likely, she felt unworthy to anoint the head of Jesus, so she anointed his feet. And the reality is this. She was right. She was unworthy. And the reality is, you and I are unworthy too. Romans chapter 3, verse 12. They are all gone out of the way. They are altogether become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. We are all unworthy. What an incredible picture here. But Jesus made a way for us to be worthy. John chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Because of Jesus Christ, I can be worthy. Praise God. Number one, the invitation is to everyone. Number two, a thankful heart. Number three, let's look at the unthankful heart. Verse 44. And he turned to the woman and said unto Simon, See thou this woman. I entered into thy house. Thou gavest me no water for my feet, but she hath washed my feet, my, uh, my feet with tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss, but this woman, since the time I came in, hath not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil thou didst not anoint, but this woman hath anointed my feet with, with ointment. Wherefore I say unto to thee, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, and she loveth much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same little uh, loveth little. And he said unto her, Thy sins be forgiven. And they that sat at meat with him began to say within themselves, Who is this that forgiveth sins also? And he said to the woman, Thy, thy faith has saved thee. Go in peace. You know, there's nothing in this story, and we see this in other, later in Jesus' ministry, but there's nothing in this story that, that Simon the, 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 the um, Pharisee uh, was setting up Jesus. You, you, you know what I'm saying? Uh, it, it appears as though the invitation that he gives to Jesus is a genuine invitation although <clears throat> the genuine that the invitation was probably genuine he was very disrespectful to Jesus you say well how do you know that because of what Jesus said 
in, in the passage that we just read. Uh, it was common practice that when somebody came to your home, if you were wealthy, you had servants that would do this. If you were not wealthy, you had a basin of water that was at the door and you would offer it to your guests to wash their feet. Why? They wore sandals and they did not have asphalt. The dirts, the, the streets were mostly dirt. There were probably some cobblestone roads in the day. But for the most part, the roads were dirt and they all wore sandals, which equals what? 30 feet. So it was especially um, common uh, to greet a guest with a basin of water so that a servant would wash their feet or that they could wash their feet to get rid of the dust on their feet, especially if you were feeding them. Why, Why is that so important? Because they ate oftentimes, well, more, more often than not, in a, in a kind of a lounging position. And it was not uncommon for your feet to be in someone else's face. I mean, just saying. Okay? <clears throat> it says that he, he says, you did not greet me with a kiss. Now, now, again, in our society today, that would be like greeting somebody with a hug or shaking their hand or something like that. It wasn't a... a, a anyway, you, you understand what I'm saying. He said, he said, you didn't do that. But she's been kissing my feet the whole time. Then he says, you did not anoint my head with perfume. And, and again, I want, to, I want to make a clarification here. What he's saying is you didn't dump a whole bottle of perfume on my head. That's not what he's saying. But what, what the customary practice was that when you entered into a, a home of somebody who was well off, especially, again, if you're going to be eating, they would take and they would put a drop or two of perfume on your head. Why, why, why on your head? More than likely, right on your forehead. But why? Because it's in close proximity to your nose. Why is that so important? Because they didn't have right guard back then. Or left guard. It didn't matter. People stunk. And when you were in close proximity to a lot of people, guess what? You needed something on your forehead to, to, to be able to Enjoy the fellowship, if you would. And this man did nothing. He was incredibly rude in, for the society of that day. He was very rude to Jesus. But this woman righted all of his wrongs. But in all of this, the verse that is the hardest for me, is verse 49. And they that sat at meat with him began to say within themselves, who is this that that forgiveth sins also? Simon the Pharisee and the rest of his guests, they didn't get it. They didn't understand 
they were stuck in religion. And instead of saying, wow, I get it. The, the, the little parable that Jesus told about the, about the forgiving of the 500 and the 50 pence, I get it. It makes perfect sense. But they didn't get it because they were stuck in religion. The woman was looking for relationship. As I read this verse 49, I I have categorized a verse in the book of Acts as the saddest verse in the Bible. You say, man, that must be a sad verse. It is, to me, it's a very sad verse. It is, to me, the saddest verse in all Scripture. is Acts 26, verse 28. Then Agrippa, who was the king, said unto Paul, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. That, to me, is the saddest verse, because you know what? That king, when he died, went straight to hell. Because he wasn't quite convinced. And here, Jesus was in the presence of this Pharisee and his guests. And he shares with them a very simple principle of forgiveness. And they didn't quite get it. They were so stuck on the religion. Who is this man that he thinks he can forgive people? Instead of saying, I need forgiveness. I'm one of the ones that has a small debt. I'm a religious person. I do a lot of good things. But they were stuck in their religion. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 to 30. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your soul. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. My question to you this morning is this, very simple. What's your burden this morning? I know that there are people here carrying burdens. I know that. I know some of the burdens, but I don't know them all. But what's your burden? Is it keeping you from the cross? God, Jesus' plea is, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And I believe that when this woman heard Jesus say that, and I, I, I have no proof that, I, that she heard that. I, I just have to assume it. Because of how she acted and the, the, the way things unfolded in the story, I can't help but believe she did. Because she went home and she got the alabaster bot and she said, I want to see if this guy is for real. Isaiah 51, 1, hearken unto me, ye that follow after righteousness, ye that seek the Lord. Look unto the rock from whence you were hewn to the hole of the pit. 
from whence you were digged. I mentioned before that Jesus on June 23, 1980, Jesus dug me out of the pit, set my feet on a rock. And Jesus wants to do the same thing for you and for me. And if he has, praise God for that. But the struggle doesn't stop there, does it? Oftentimes, after we're saved, we, we, we carry those burdens of life. And the promise is if we'll give them to Jesus, he'll take them. But the problem is most of us, when we give our burdens to Jesus, we, we give them with a string attached. And after about a, a few days, maybe a week, we pull them back. Do we not? Come unto me, all ye that labor and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. That's the promise. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love. and <clears throat> Your ever, never-ending love. Your deep mercy and grace that never fails. We all should be thankful. Every one of us should be thankful. We have much to be thankful for. Lord, as we close our service, speak to our hearts. Let me ask you very